Everyone, everyone can hear me? Uh, just before we start, let me just do something. Ah, that's better. I don't know why, guys, just made me that way. I don't know. Well, yeah, welcome to our new Australians. I became an Australian last year, so now no matter how bad I preach, you can't kick me out. From the country, yeah, that's true. Um, good morning, everyone. My name's Johan, one of the elders here. It's my privilege to bring a word for you guys this morning. Um, it's my wife's birthday today. Yay. Happy but No, 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 no. Yeah, we can't do that. We can't start singing happy birthday to everyone. There's too many of us. We'll be here for hours every Sunday. Uh, but yes, 39 again and gorgeous. Yay. So I just thought I'd embarrass her a bit. All right. She did. It's a birthday present for her to lead worship. Let me pray. Jesus, we acknowledge you. We thank you that um, uh, your words are revelation, not my words. And so would you be the spirit of revelation as your Holy Spirit fills this place this morning and touches our hearts. Amen. Uh, I wanted to start with a story this morning of something that happened to me a few years back. <clears throat> and it's a story of, of um, God's presence. In fact, my sermon today is titled, if you're taking notes, Passion for Presence. And... Um, Good alliteration. What do you reckon, Tim? Yeah. Now, this story happened a few years ago. I, uh, Fee and I were living in New Zealand, and we were living in a small town. And I had a sort of a hobby business going where I was making longboards, which are like oversized skateboards, for those of you who don't know. And I used to make them and sell them at the local market. And I was in my, my garage working away, um, making my skateboard Skateboards, and all of a sudden I started to become overwhelmed with a sense of the presence of God. And I'm, and I'm thinking, what's going on, Lord? Like, I'm just doing what I'm normally doing, and yet there's this weighty, heavy presence. And it was like, it was starting to like weigh on me, and I'm like, Lord, what, what are you doing? And I sort of stagger in into the lounge. Our, our garage was sort of separate, and I went outside and went round into, into the lounge. And Fiona's in there watching a podcast. And it's a podcast of something that happened two weeks earlier. It's like a, you know, like a podcast, video podcast. And what had happened is a, a church that we had sort of been following online had a breakout visual manifestation of the presence of God in their service. And there was sort of all of this um, swirling type of glittery cloud happening within the, within the auditorium and, and it was just this sense of God doing something powerful. And Fee was in tears watching this and we just sensed the presence of God. And, and what really struck me was this is an event that happened two weeks ago and I was out in my garage and Fee was watching it on a recorded podcast in the, in the lounge and yet the presence of God was there. And you know what, I kept getting reminded of that story every time I sat down to pray for this year. And I was like, yes, Lord, what have you got in store for 2023? And that story kept coming into my mind. And so I started praying into that. And I, my prayer for 2023 is that we would, all of us, 
experience more of his unmistakable, tangible, manifest presence. That we would have encounters with the God of the universe. That nobody leaves this room thinking, maybe it was God, maybe it wasn't. Maybe that was the Holy Spirit or maybe the coffee was a bit off this morning that I had and it's a bit stirring in my stomach. I'm not quite sure. No, that we would walk out of this room and go, whoa, that was the Lord. He is moving. There's these awesome verses in the Bible where God's presence was unmistakable. If, um, if we look at Matthew 27, verse 51... Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. There's this, there's this time where, where what it's describing is we now have access into his presence. And the earth responded. In Nahum 1 verse 5, it says, The mountains quake before him. We sang it this morning. The hills melt and the earth heaves at his presence. Yes, the world and all who dwell in it. So that's my prayer. That's my heart that we would know that he is here, that he would be manifest in a way that we would be like, whoa, Lord, we just give you glory. You're awesome. So I thought, well, How can we make it happen? How can we make this thing happen? And I thought about that time where where we were watching on the podcast and I thought about that particular church and I thought, you know what? That's probably a room full of people who are just hungry and passionate for the things of God, who want to see Him move, who want to see His presence made manifest. And then I thought, but you know what? There's probably a few new people there that day and there's probably some unsaved people there that day, so... I reckon you probably need about 70%. 70% of people who are passionate, who have their hearts turned towards Him, who are looking to see Him move. And then I thought, you know what? Just to hedge our bets, let's put in a smoke machine. Maybe turn up the reverb a little bit. But then the problem is, Tim would stub his toe getting up the steps and say a bad word. And that's it. Ah, We've lost it today. Try again next week. He's not coming now. Like we can have any influence over him showing up. But let me take it further. Because we talk about him showing up like he's not already here. His presence became accessible the moment the curtain was torn. And the natural world responded. In dramatic fashion. So instead of asking, oh, I wonder if he'll show up today, let me ask, have you shown up today? And I'm not just saying, have you turned up? Because anyone can turn up. Turning up is easy. But have you shown up today? Are you here with your heart poised? Are you here with your eyes fixed towards him? Are you here with a voice that is going to sing his praise this morning? Have you shown up in this place? 
you know, the Bible never talks about how we get God to show up. But it does talk about how we are to enter in. That moment the curtain was torn in two, we obtain this privilege of entering into his presence. How beautiful that is. And um, if you read on from that verse in Matthew, the, <laughs> the dead came out of their tombs and walked around the city. You know, I've never heard anyone preach on that. <laughs> and uh, I'm not going to start today. <laughs> it's weird. But let me say that um, stuff happens when his presence when his presence comes, it's powerful and it can be terrifying because it reminds us of how small we are, how tiny we are, how big he is. The God who created the universe would show up, would manifest himself, would allow us to come into his presence. That same presence that, that melts hills, and, and earthquakes and breaks apart rocks, and yet we can enter in to him. You know, sometimes I hear people say, um, and we've been doing, we've just started a series on the fruits of the Spirit, and one of those fruits of the Spirit is self-control. And I hear people say, ah, well, if self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, then how come when the Spirit shows up, you will fall down and shake? That's not self-control. And my thinking on it is this. If God's presence literally melts the planet when he shows up, we're blessed that all we do is fall down. So I would love to see God move more often in tangible signs and wonders. It's really, it's a passion of my heart for this year. But we have to be careful that we don't actually look to the works and put our faith in the manifestations. In First Kings, turn, turn with me to First Kings um, chapter 19. Now let me set the scene. Elijah, the prophet, is living in, in the nation of Israel and the nation has gone off the rails. They're worshipping Baal and, and it's... it's in a bad way, and Elijah is upset by this, and so he he gathers all the uh, the prophets of Baal, and he offers them a challenge, and he says, "You know what? So we know whose God is real. Why don't you guys build uh, a sacrifice to your God, and I'll build a sacrifice to my God, and whoever's sacrifice the fire falls from heaven on, that's the real God." And they go, "Okay, yeah, fair enough." Let's do that. And so they build this big um, sacrifice and they dance around it for hours and cut themselves, which is their, the way that their, their ceremonies would go, and tried everything they could and nothing happened. And then Elijah says, well, let me try now. And he builds his sacrifice and then he gets some water and he pours water on it. And then he does it again. And just to be sure, he does it a third time. So this thing is, is soaked so that he can't just sort of sneak a match in there, that it has to be God. And he stands back, and the fire from heaven falls down, and it's like, and it obliterates it, and it's just like, yes, 
this is the real God. And so they round up the prophets of Baal and they slaughter them. It's a bit R-rated, but we'll move past that. And, <laughs> and then Elijah thinks, we've done it. They've seen that the Lord is the Lord and the nation's going to turn and the king was there and the king rides back to the city and Elijah's so pumped that everything's going to change that he, he holds up his, his robe thing and he runs and beats the horse there and it's just like, yes, it's all going to happen and he gets to the city and the king's wife is like, nah, 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 we're not going to do that. In fact, I'm going to kill you. And all of a sudden, Elijah goes into this downward Depression spiral. It's like, oh, it's not working out the way I thought it would work out. Man. But God was manifest. Like, we saw something happen. And he goes and hides in this cave. Let me pick it up from verse 11. The Lord says, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. It's interesting, those things, the earthquake. The rocks breaking apart and the fire, the same things mentioned in Nahum. A response of the earth to his presence. Verse 13, so it was when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And the Lord goes on to talk to Elijah and explain to him that there is a remnant and it's going to be okay and that he has a plan. And just to listen to his voice, don't put your faith in the manifestation, but put your faith in the one who is made manifest. I said a few, few weeks ago, you know, we don't put our faith in healing. We don't have faith for healing. We have faith in a healer. It's not the size or the type of the manifestation that's important. It's who is made manifest. And as much as I love to see more of him made manifest, it's actually not about me. It's all about him. And as he speaks in that still, small voice, am I listening? How much of him are you letting into your life? Because if we experience the presence of God, if he shows up in, in miraculous signs and wonders, we can just like observe it and go and be like, oh, that was cool. Whatever. How much of, of him are we letting in us to change us? Because if we don't do that, then it's just an experience. If we just focus on the manifestation, we miss out on what God is actually doing. It's the difference between a room full of people looking for signs of his presence versus a room full of people entering into his presence. So how do we enter his presence? Glad you asked. 
Psalm 100, of course. It's the go-to psalm, isn't it? So um, let's go to it. Psalm 100. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he whom has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Verse 1 and 2. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. You know, to serve the Lord, it means that we would act at his bidding. What is he asking us to do? He's asking us to sing and shout with eagerness and joy. We can be glad because he loves the sound of our voice. I know some of you find that hard to believe. It's true. He says it. God created our voice so that we may use it to praise him. However it sounds to you, it sounds nice to him. In Song of Solomon chapter 2, verse 14, this is him speaking to us, his beloved. O oh, my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the secret places of the cliff, let me see your face, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet. And your face is lovely. Everybody say, my voice is sweet. sweet. Now turn to the person next to you and say, your face is lovely. You know, I don't express my love for my wife by thinking loving thoughts towards her. (laughs) She doesn't. She doesn't say, do you love me? And I say, of course I love you. I think, I, I think loving thoughts towards you all the time. How can you not know I love you? It doesn't say in the Bible, out of the abundance of the heart, the mind thinks. It's out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. There's something about us expressing our Praise, our adoration, our thankfulness with our mouth to the Lord that he loves. And it says in there, we come before his presence with singing. Let me say that that to enter his presence is an active thing. You are not going to enter his presence by going, let's see, let's see if this God's real. Yeah, I'll just sit here. He knows where I am. To enter his presence, consider him the king of the universe. He is on the mercy seat, the throne room of God. He is surrounded by angels singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And we have access to that. Why would we not go in with gladness, with joy? That is how we come before the king. There's a reason why we sing songs of worship. It 
it provides the means for eager hearts to express their praise. It is not their job to make you eager. It is not their job to sing the song that you like. It is your job to have an eager heart. If you don't like the words, sing different words. You bring the eagerness to express your heart of adoration to the king. Verse 3 and 4. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. There's something about thankfulness, an attitude of thankfulness that allows us to enter in to his presence. Not arrogance or indifference. We can be thankful for so many things if we stop and think about it. But I'll mention a few just mentioned in Psalm 100. We can be thankful that he made us. It is he who made us. And you know what he calls his creation? Very good. He says that about you. We can be thankful for that. We can be thankful that we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. I don't know any sheep who has stood in the paddock and worried about whether there's enough uh, grass for him to eat, whether the fences are built properly, whether there's correct amounts of fertilization happening in the paddock the sheep just eats the grass we are his he looks after us he provides for us we can be thankful for that verse 5 for the lord is good his mercy is everlasting and his truth endures for all generations you know we enter his courts with praise We praise him because he is good, for the Lord is good. He is not angry. He is not distant. He is not indifferent. He is not uninterested. He is not mean. Psalm 34 verse 8 says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. We can have confidence in his goodness. In fact, he says, try it out. Try out my goodness and see. His mercy is everlasting. His mercy is demonstrated by his love and grace. In Romans 5 verse 8, But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Such mercy. And it is because of his great mercy toward us that we're even in a position to enter into his presence. So we can praise him for that. We can praise him because his truth endures for all to all generations. You know, we are, we are living in an ever-changing world where what seems to be truth changes from week to week to week. And yet his truth remains steadfast. He is the same yesterday today and forever. Numbers 23 verse 19 says, God is not a man 
that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? So we can praise him for the truth that he has spoken into our lives. We can praise him for the truth that sets us free from bondage. So we can make entering his presence not just something that happens here in this room. We can make entering his presence our lifestyle. It's not just a Sunday activity. We desire to enter into his presence because he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, holy above all else. Because of who he is, not because of what we get. But listen to this. Because he is a good God who gives good gifts to his children, there is a benefit to us from simply being in his presence. His presence sets us apart. In Exodus 33, verse 15, it says, Then he said to him, this is Moses talking, saying to the Lord, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Lord, if you're not coming with us, we're not going. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are on the face of the earth. It's his presence that sets us apart. It makes us stand out in a floundering world looking for something solid. He is the rock. He is the foundation. There's a drowning world out there looking for something to grab hold of. He wants us to be set apart. He wants us to be that hope because we spend time in his presence. He sets us apart. We become noticed. Something different about us. We are set apart because in his presence there is rest. Exodus 33 verse 14 says, And he said, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. In a world that's increasingly tired, busy, rest is valuable, isn't it? It's a rare commodity. We spend time in the presence. We carry rest with us. We are set apart. In his presence, there is joy. Psalm 16 verse 11 You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You know, the world we live in has replaced joy with the pursuit of happiness. What do you want for your kids? I just want them to be happy. Well, let me tell you, somebody gives me a new iPhone, I'm happy. When I drop the iPhone and it breaks, I'm sad. Happiness goes up and down. But joy. Joy is the deep-seated trust in the goodness of our Creator in the midst of any circumstance. 
And lastly, maybe the team wants to come back up. We are set apart because we are being refined as we spend time in his presence. In Leviticus 10, verse 1, it says, Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. So Aaron held his peace. You know, as we enter in and we spend time in the presence of God, those things in our life, the profane fire, the things that don't line up to who Jesus is, are revealed and allow us to repent and deal with those things. And in the process, we're sanctified. We become more like Christ. Russ talked about fruit last week. It was the intro to a series. And, um, and this is me trying very hard to link this word into what he started last week. <laughs> but you know what? When we spend time in the presence, Russ said that a tree that is bearing fruit doesn't just concentrate on trying to squeeze fruit out. It just is. It rests in itself. For us to grow fruit, especially fruit of the Spirit, we rest in Him. We spend time entering into His presence. We abide in the vine. Why don't we stand this morning? So before we go today, before we think about lunch, maybe it's too late for a few of you. <laughs> before we get on with our day, let us please spend just a few more minutes to enter in. Enter into his presence, the privilege and the wonder that it is. The same God who would break apart rocks, the hills would melt like wax, and yet we can enter into his presence, into his throne room. So just as we are led in another song, I want to challenge you Let's open our mouths. He loves the sound of our voice. Let's verbalize this morning some things that we're thankful for. We can be thankful that He made us, that He loves us, that He is good, that He provides, that He is everlasting, that He is pure truth. Open your, open your mouths this morning. Just let your thankfulness out as the team leads us. Blessed is He.